the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, we tend to give up on people very quickly. Whether we feel like they're not worth our time or we feel like we can't help them or they're just too far gone, that they're the worst sinners, we just give up on people. The gospel today proves that Jesus does not give up on anyone. You know, it doesn't feel good to be given up on. It doesn't feel good when someone gives up on you, when you had a friend and you're just not friends with them anymore. When people judge us poorly and give up on us, we are tempted to despair, to be discouraged, to even doubt ourselves. We doubt that we are good. We doubt our self-worth. We doubt our identity. And then we experience shame. Shame leads us to darkness and it moves us to isolation and to hide. The blind man and Zacchaeus, the tax collector, did not fall into this trap of self-judgment and shame, but they made themselves visible. They cried out to Jesus. This blind man cries out to Jesus and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did the people do? Shh, stop. Jesus, he's just walking. He's not worth your time. You're nothing. But again, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears his voice. This tax collector, Zacchaeus, he was the worst of the worst. And people blocked him from Jesus. People did not think Zacchaeus was worthy of seeing Jesus. Even when Jesus welcomes him into his house, they murmured and they gossiped. Oh, he's, he's going into a sinner's home. But what does Zacchaeus do? He doesn't hide. He doesn't isolate in his shame. He climbs a tree and Jesus sees him. They make themselves visible to the Lord. Now, first, this blind man. This blind man reminds me of John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind. And he confesses his faith to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? He says, I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see might see. And those who do see might become blind. For Jesus, to be blind is not just physical, it's spiritual. There is a reality that we cannot see, and so Jesus came so that we may see that reality which our eye cannot see. The Bible says that the eye is the window to the soul, that what you see is meant to draw you deeper into a reality, and that is God. When you see a person, what do you see? When you look at someone, what do you see? Do you just see their physical traits? Do you see what they're wearing? Do you see how they look? Do you see them as they truly are? As Christians, we are meant not just to look with our eyes, but to look with our hearts. And to see a person is to love a person. I want us to declare that. Say this with me. To see a person is to love a person. Amen. Because we see with our heart. One, um, one way of experiencing love, love by anybody, to experience love, love from God, love from a person, is to feel understood by someone, to feel like they see me, they know me. That's how God sees you. He knows you. In this culture, there is a destruction in the way we see people. This is a lust-filled culture. 
It's filled with lust. This is a pornographic culture that teaches us to see people for their bodies, not for their souls. Pornography blinds us from seeing the person as they are. When you look at porn, you don't see the person. You see an object for your self-gratification. Whenever you're looking at someone, a person, as an object, you're not loving them, you're using them. To the boys, and I'm not going to call you men, to the boys, when you look at a woman with lust as an object, you don't see her as a daughter of the father, and you are blind. To the girls, not to the women, because I'm sorry, you don't deserve that. And to the men, boys, you don't deserve that, to be called a man. When you look at a man as an object, and not as a son of the father, you are blind. This culture is a lust-filled culture. You can't go driving on the highway without being triggered to lust. It is filled with making someone an object and not their true identity. So I'm going to give some statistics on pornography. This is, this is going to be shocking, but we need to do something about it. As a community, no one talks about it. The average age of the first internet exposure to pornography is 11 years old. More than 70% of men from 18 to 34 visit a pornographic site once a month. 53% of boys and 28% of girls 12 to 15 years old have reported to use sexually explicit content. 20% of kids have reported sexting. In 2008, roughly two-thirds of boys and one-half of girls agree that viewing pornography is acceptable. It's adi. It's okay. Now, it has an effect on marriage. It has an effect on our teenagers. And it has an effect on young adults. First, on marriage. 68% of divorce is involved with a party meeting someone over the internet. 56% involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornography. And 47% involved spending excessive time on the computer. That's divorce statistics. Now, it's an it's effect on teenagers. Kids, you guys listening? Your parents might not wish you were, but I need you to listen. An exaggerated perception of sexual activity. You don't understand what sex means. You don't trust, when you look at pornography, you don't trust in intimacy. You believe that cheating is normal. You believe that chastity and purity is actually unhealthy for you. You believe and you're cynical about love. You no longer believe that love is possible. You believe that marriage is sexually confining and you lack an attraction to family and to raising children. Basically, sacrifice. You're not willing to sacrifice. To our young adults, this epidemic has increased sexual partners. It's increased in acceptance of casual sex. It's increased substance abuse. And there's a greater acceptance to extramarital affair when you're married. But especially in men. What does Jesus say? He says... In the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. 
How do we see? We don't just see with our eyes. We see with our hearts. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. How do you see God? Where is he? You see him in everywhere that you are. You see him in yourself. You see him in a person. But that comes from your purity of heart, from chastity. Now, to those who struggle, it's a reality. And for those who have been exposed at a young age, it can be a very, very deep struggle. It can be an addiction. There's always hope and there's always greater opportunity for freedom. I said that when we fall into sin, we're tempted to judge ourselves and we're tempted to be ashamed of ourselves and then we isolate. But the freedom comes from the accountability and the openness. I'm not saying go and say it out loud to everybody, but I'm saying that there has to be some accountability. Don't give up and do not stop seeking healing. Don't just resign and, con- and be like, that's it, I can't win. Don't isolate in your shame, but open up in confession because healing comes. Like the blind man, cry out to Jesus even when there are obstacles in your way. To parents, you were listening, parents? Watch what your children are watching. To children, listen to this. Parents, you're allowed to watch your children's web browser. You're allowed to see what they're looking at. Children might say, no, they're not. Children, what are you hiding? What are you trying to hide from? Where are you isolating? If I was a parent, I would remove Safari from all my devices. I would remove YouTube. Or I would place a blocker on all images in YouTube. There's, a, there's another internet browser, because you might think that's unrealistic. They have to go on the internet for things. There's a browser called Covenant Eyes, where you, it's, you, you get this browser, and it allows you as a parent to monitor what your child is watching. For those who, you're older, and you're a, you're a young adult, you're between 20 and 30 years old, and you're still struggling. You can have this browser covenant eyes and then you can give it to an accountability partner, one of your friends that you really trust, that you're really able to open up to, and they can also watch. And if you were to look at some poor bad site, right away that person gets notified. And they call you and say, hey, how can I help? What's the struggle? I'm here for you. So covenant eyes is a great accountability resource. Children, will you give your parents permission? Oh, they don't really need it. Parents, do it. Remember, shame leads to hiding and isolation, but faith leads to con- and confession lead to healing and salvation. All right, second with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus shows us that there is hope for everyone, even those who do dishonest work. People hated Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, and we already know that he defrauded people, that he cheated people. He even says, for anyone I defrauded, I'll give back four times. For those who are doing work that is not good for your soul, you may think you're too far gone. But remember, Jesus never gives up on anyone. What does Jesus do with Zacchaeus? First, 
He walks through the town and he has no intention of staying anywhere. He's just walking. But he sees Zacchaeus and he, his heart is moved with compassion and he says, I came for you. He had no intention of staying in Zacchaeus' house. He was walking through. But he saw Zacchaeus climb a tree. He saw Zacchaeus eye to eye. He saw his soul and he said, Salvation has come to your home. I came for you. So he sees Zacchaeus and he gives him the honor of staying in his house. Jesus comes for a person like Zacchaeus. And he accepts him because Zacchaeus makes an act of faith. Does Jesus accept, expect him to stop doing the wrong? Yes. He expects Zacchaeus to change. But he comes to him first. The point is, there's always time to make up for your mistakes until there's not. 